Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek podcast number 129. We have an unusually large group in our Studio C at MotorWeek Central today. Our writer-producer, Brian Robinson. Hello, John. Our road test producer, Ben Davis. Hello. Assistant producer Greg Carlos. That is me. He's the guy with the hair. Writer Patrick Lucas. <laughs> I'm the guy with the hat. And our new FY report, FYI, FYI <laughs> reporter, sorry, Lauren Morrison. And we'll introduce her in a little bit. Uh, but right now we're going to uh, get right into the show. We have a lightning round, a viewer question, our chance to rant and rave. But first, some of the cars that are coming across our parking lot. Okay, everybody. 2016 Chevrolet Camaro uh, G6. Is that right, Brian? G6. I mean, it's the sixth Gen generation. Six. Camaro yes. 6 hashtag. Uh, I thought it was the Pontiac yeah, 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 yeah. I thought Oprah was going to start handing them out. That, I saw you perk up there. That got your attention. Okay, new Camaro versus uh, we already have plenty of experience, new Mustang. What do you think of the car, and how do you think it's going to fare? Uh, it's, uh, it's solid. I mean, it's uh, I got the chance to drive it from... Uh, Philadelphia to Raleigh on their uh, find new roads road trip, and I got to say I enjoyed it. I and mean, you you weren't even in the top dog car. No, I wasn't even in the SS. We had drawn keys out of a hat, literally. Yeah, and uh, I got a, a, a V6 before. manual. <laughs> and uh, but you had the six. <laughs> you should tell me more about those later. <laughs> but first, Next podcast. yeah. Uh, yeah, V6 manual, and um, so I, pretty much they just let you drive wherever, and I brought it back here on some familiar roads, and it's it's a darn good car in pretty much every scenario. Can you compare it to the previous one, structure-wise? It is now on the ATS chassis, which we know is a very competent yeah. chassis. It's lighter, which it looks lighter, absolutely, um, and it actually is. It's, I think, up to 400 pounds lighter on the base, base on which car. One you get, yeah. Yeah. And then everything else is, I think, at least 200 pounds lighter. So um, would you Buy that or a Mustang? That's really the only question anyone really wants to know. Well, to. Uh, it certainly makes my choice harder. I would say Mustang up until I drove this one, but uh, wow, it's Chase, it really and I can't, I can't compare because I have only driven a V8 must uh, yeah V8 Mustang, so I'd have to drive the SS first to really say. But the V6 is actually a really good engine, and I think I'd mentioned it uh, before. But mm. if you go in, not really sure if you want a V6 or a V8. Uh, I'm not sure how many people are going to do that, but I mean, you could save some money and be pretty happy with the V6. But the base car is now a turbo four. Yep, turbo four. Which a, which the base Mustang is still a six, and the turbo four is an option. Mm-hmm. It's uh, that two liter turbo, I think, out of the Malibu. Well, no, it's actually out of the ATS yeah. as well. Is it? Okay, yeah, that's a Cadillac engine too. All right, but around the table, Ooh. you've all seen the car, at least seen pictures of it. The biggest gripe on the previous car was the interior. It was kind of retro, but it came out cheesy. A lot of people on this staff have not liked the short side glass. What about the side glass? Did you find visibility improved at all? Visibility, I would say if it did, it's pretty minor. Uh, yeah, I noted that's one thing I did notice, like uh, back, uh, getting out of spaces and just general driving, is that visibility is still fairly low. But the interior is nicer, so you kind of – Forget about the uh, lack of visibility because everything else does no, look nicer. How about you two? Because you've been big critics of the interior in the past. Uh, the interior, I did take a peek at it. it. Did step it up a little bit, but overall, from the outside, I was hoping for a little more, a little more of a, 
a styling change. It was a little too uh, evolutionary. For yeah, me. I, um, I, I, I still can't quite tell difference between like the Gen Five and the Gen Six. I mean, I, I, I look at the pictures and I know stuff has changed, but it hasn't changed that much. So it doesn't really strike me as like totally brand new Camaro. I know it is, but, but it's less of a change than what Mustang went through. Right, and and I think that I personally would still go Mustang. And I know that a lot of people are still diehard. Like they're gonna. If they're Camaro, they're always going to be Camaro. If they're going to be Mustang, they're always going to be Mustang. Well, Camaro's outsold Mustang, what, Brian? Five years. Five years in a row. Uh, but now, of course, this year, Mustang's going to outsell Camaro. So the real tell is going to be next year. It's going to be 2016. And we'll have an SS. Uh, we're scheduled to get one at the track in Roebling in January. I Should be awesome. wouldn't be surprised if we don't have one in here before then. Okay, moving on. I promised, even though I botched her title, our FYI reporter and producer, Lauren Morrison. Lauren is the newest member of our Motor Week staff. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. But now tell everybody what, you're go- what you do and what you're going to be doing. So, because, uh, yeah. th- this A lot of people don't really understand what the FYI segments are all about. No. So <laughs> really what I'm looking for is like any cool story around the country, any cool car-related story, um, any interesting little tidbit. I actually was just in North Carolina last week, found a great little inn called Gearhead Inn. This mm-hmm. couple runs it. They've themed each of the rooms as a muscle car from the 60s. Um, they get a lot of people who it's right in the Blue Ridge Parkway area. Right. So they get a lot of people driving, seeing their hotel and coming in, stopping in. Really, really fun people. Really great little inn that I found. So just looking for cool stories like that around the country, meeting great people. So I'm pretty excited. The way we uh, do our FYI segments is uh, we sort of put a very flimsy line <laughs> down the middle between what Zach Maskell does and Lauren's doing. Zach is a little bit more one person, one car, and a see of the pants experience. And Lauren is a little bit more something that everybody out there exactly. can enjoy. Exactly. Uh, but it's a very gray area, <laughs> and the most important thing is to have a good time. I was going to say, sometimes I might step over that line uh, into Zach's territory. <laughs> Uh, you've, uh, folks that have done these segments in the past have been all over the place. And really what it comes back to is a great story yeah. that the audience loves watching. Yeah, I'm excited. So welcome to the staff. Thank you, thank you. And dive into these discussions. <laughs> okay, we're going to move now to our subcompact SUV challenge. Uh, Brian Robinson was the point person on that particular shoot. But almost everybody at this table, perhaps except Lauren, has had an awful lot of time in uh, some of these subcompacts, the newest ones being like the HRV and the uh, 500X. So, Brian, let her rip. Yeah, it was a little bit of a different comparison because usually it's a segment that's been around for a long time and there's like certain established leaders. And But this one, the segment hasn't even really been there that long. And six out of the seven cars were all new for 2016. So it's a lot of uh, – you mentioned the HRV – Fiat 500X, Jeep Renegade, uh, vehicles like that. The uh, I guess the prize was that the winner was <laughs> none of the above. <laughs> right, it was something that many people wouldn't even put in there, but that's the uh, Subaru XV Crosstrek. What was which, the rationale of putting that in there? Is it well, was it just price or what? I don't know. Obviously, Patrick doesn't agree, but uh, I like that. The, I, like, uh, I like it too. It I think we all it actually strike me as a subcompact. Like a lot of yeah. like well, everyone, the, uh, Subaru considers it an SUV, and the price cap was twenty seven thousand dollars, which it came in. It was the cheapest vehicle there. It came in just at and that's with all wheel drive standard. So yeah, and it just had a lot more room. The HRV is the only one that has more room. And uh, the Subaru was just super comfortable, a lot of great features, and you know, one of the few that you could actually take off-road. 
a little bit if you needed to. I like the HRV, but I agree with your conclusion from the test in that uh, the engine noise is just really kind of getting unacceptable. Yeah, that was a big part of the, I guess it finished fourth or third. I think I third was, here. I he finished in third. It was back uh, in the pack, It was though. in third, yeah. yeah and, that's right, third. Um, on the practical aspect, it is so much space in there. But, yeah, it's uh, it's very noisy powertrain, wind noise, all kind of noise. And uh, a lot of people didn't like the interior interface. You know, Honda's gotten rid of yeah. any type of button or knob, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't fans yeah, yeah. of. Let me, yeah, let me so. open this up, though. These are all subcompact you crossover utilities, whatever you want to call them. Is this just another way of selling a subcompact car? Because, after all, they don't have that much room. They really don't have that much except a little bit of, uh, you know, bad weather capability for, with all-wheel drive. It is another way, and it's a more profitable way for manufacturers to basically say, charge five or six grand more for what's basically yeah. a car and put all-wheel drive on it. I felt that way, especially with the... CX3. I know I've, I've beat up on it like yeah, for several podcasts in, in a row. Yeah, I offender. love that car too. <laughs> oh, I know. I just I thought that that it literally was. You brought up in the road test. Like, is it a Mazda three hatchback or is it? I mean, it's literally almost the same exact kind of thing. So I, I with half the space is the Mazda right. three hatchback. Right, and so right. I, I, I don't buy it. I don't buy a lot of the stuff in this segment. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not a fan of it. That's almost <laughs> there. You have it, folks. You know, it's kind of Catch interesting that at the LA Auto Show, and actually, sorry, been shown in in Frankfurt is the Infiniti QX30 and the Q30. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they yeah, fo- bizarre, they followed yeah. the the Subaru route. They basically took a car, raised it, stuck some bigger tires on it, and said, "Now it's an SUV." When it's exactly the same vehicle uh, as the car, except uh, the car only has mm-hmm. uh, front drive. And so they've obviously think there's something there that they can capitalize on. Well, good on, on them. Well, yeah, if, if people are going to no, buy it, why not do it? Yeah. That specific example, the Q, the car version, is more for Europe because they Correct. buy small hatchbacks, which we don't. But they're going to market them, it here. We don't buy them unless they're crossovers, which the QX will be marketed more here. Granted, but they're still going to sell them side by side. They will sell side. it, but they're not – that's kind of where, yeah. where that's where it's at. You Correct. think we it could have, be? I like, we have so many of these. I feel like we've been talking about these a lot on podcasts. We have what, been talking about them what, a lot. So I mean, everybody is obviously. I don't want to say copycatting off each other, but it's like they're trying to keep up in the industry. So you know, they see they, uh, another company's made one. We want to make one. Where do we trace it back to again? Like I can't even remember who was the first one to come out. Well, I said in our thing, yeah. I called the Nissan Juke the first one. That's my. Well, I think that's I don't right. know if that's correct or not, but that's the way I look at it. That's the first one to me. Well, you you could go back to Suzuki probably if you well, really look yeah, at it. I guess it's a modern era, though. A super small, fun to drive, but totally impractical crossover <laughs> is, is the Juke. True story. So. We have not heard from the lone woman in the group. I know. When it comes to small mm-hmm. vehicles, you know, is all-wheel drive like a Paramount? thing for you or do you care i personally don't you, really you yeah. spend a lot of time in maine yes yeah, so i mean i guess i personally don't really care um it's it's not a deciding factor for me um but is that because you know how to drive yeah, 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 i was gonna say i guess maybe my driving skills i don't know no um and i guess it really maybe just depends on what you're looking for too like what you're going to be using it for like i'm not really you know trying to 
go off road or, you know, I like to stay home when it snows. I'm not trying to get on the roads, <laughs> but no, I mean, I guess it just really yeah. depends on, on what you're looking for. When you are looking at a vehicle, though, mm-hmm. are you have you reached the point where you're starting to be totally practical, or are you still out there having a good time with it and look and looking less at the practicality? Oh, I don't, I don't want to be too practical. That's boring. But right. uh, yeah, no, I mean, obviously, you have to think about your day to day life. But I no, know why I we hired be... her now. So. <laughs> but no, I, I don't want to be you know too practical, too boring. You want to get a little edgy. All right. Well, speaking of edgy, I think we've all got something to say about the next car that's on our uh, calendar today. The 2016 Mitsubishi Outlander, uh, the largest crossover that Mitsubishi makes. And the gist here is the little company that keeps on coming back whether we want them to or not. Uh, They make very sturdy. Their sales are up 25% this year. Uh, they're doing it with constant updates to the Outlander and the Outlander Sport. And the uh, most uh, fuel-efficient non-hybrid vehicle available in America, Mitsubishi Mirage. Mirage. That's yeah. right. So <laughs> what do we think of the Outlander? Should it be a contender if it's for someone looking for a five-passenger compact? Uh, you actually can get a seven-passenger. Yeah, so yeah, standard. Basically, but, so, but let's face it, that's... Second, third row. That's seat really. Is, it's a two-trick pony, basically. Yeah. It has a V6 engine, which you can't get anywhere else in the class, and a it's a standard third row, which you can't get in uh, most places in the class. So that's but pretty has, much. Has anybody a, ever seen anybody use the third row seat in a compact? I mean, I have to ask. You know, when who was the first one that did it? Rav Four, yeah. and it was like that's impossible well, to put any. You couldn't even put a child seat in it. Look, it it's like. kind of like all-wheel drive. It's emergency use only in these yeah. things. I, I like the uh, this Outlander. I drove, I think it was like a 14 or something like that mm-hmm. a couple of years ago when it was, I guess, brand new. I think I like it for the same reason that I like our Outlander Sport long term, is that it's no nonsense, pretty bare bones. Uh, it's not pretty to look at, but, <laughs> but I mean, it, it drives, and it drives well, and it's, I mean, it's got space if you need it. And I will say, the, the 14 one that I drove was one of the first vehicles I experienced full automatic braking in mm-hmm. so even if it's bare bones and boring and uh, you know not necessarily advanced looking as other vehicles they're working on their technology they do have some yes, of the nicest uh, shift paddles yeah and they got the i agree with you i mean i basically have watched uh, mitsubishi climb back out of its hole and been very impressed that they keep coming up with ways to make you know, vehicles that are long in the tooth keep up with the pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I get into our long-term Outlander Sport, I think it's just what you said. This is a no-nonsense vehicle that I feel like I could depend upon at any time in almost any weather. And I felt the same way about the Outlander, uh, the larger Outlander. I have to admit, I, I have no use for the third row, but I can see yeah. where that would be an attraction. We did have the the V6. I think that's all we've had in here is a V6. I don't know. Have we ever had a 2.4? I don't, I don't think so. Well, that's what's in the Outlander Sport. Yeah, it's, it's the, the same motor four. from the Sport, which is, I'm you know, sure. it's not terribly gutsy, but it's adequate. Yeah, that's all right. And as I, we pointed out in our, our last uh, um, long term, uh, we're doing almost 28 miles per gallon in the yeah, Outlander Sport. That, that's and pretty impressive. We don't see anything that calls itself a crossover or a utility in here that does that very often. So, And they've been teasing, um, I know the last several handful of uh, auto shows, they've been teasing concepts of maybe a next-gen Outlander, Sporter right. Outlander that's hybrid, plug-in hybrid. Um, and they're relatively interesting-looking concepts. So, I mean, 
I'm sure they have some stuff in the they, pipeline. They've once, got a hybrid coming. Once so. and once they get more money, I think they'll be able to pump more money and resources into designing a more you know, dynamic looking yeah. car. The Edgy. little engine that keeps on <laughs> and uh, then giving. The, then the um, then the sporty cars come back, which would be cool. Well, that would be the next gen Lancer. Well, next gen Lancer. You know, <laughs> let's face it. Everybody's moaning the bemoaning the the loss of the Lancer. All righty, it's now time to turn to our lightning round. Uh, basically, the panelists around the table have two minutes to debate a trending automotive topic. And when they time runs out, they hear the bell. Patrick? No. Or the- All right, at the L.A. Auto Show. <laughs> and even oh, before okay. the L.A. Auto Show, uh, it was obvious that one of the cars or vehicles that was going to be taking a lot of notice is the Range Rover Evoque, wait for it, convertible. Why does a chop-top SUV exist? Remember, Nissan tried it a few years ago. Are we at the point where manufacturers are inventing new segments to gain attention? Do they really see a future in vehicles like this? Is it just because they've got too much money to spend? Is it too big a risk? Did they learn nothing from Nissan? Yeah. What was the Nissan called? The Cross, Cross Cabriolet. Cross Cabriolet. Basically a Murano. It was just so awful. Anyway. There's the Wrangler. I mean, there's certainly a market for convertible SUVs, right? I mean, I think they sell a few. This of those. is not even That's remotely no. close. No. Comparison is a no. stretch, man. What? I'm sure they sold them in Florida. Why is it not a comparison? You oh, it's not a to a Wrangler. <laughs> no, well, but you know, the Evoque has been such an enormous success. Yeah, true. And it's their best-selling own. vehicle, isn't it? It's That's their the best-selling best vehicle, and an awful lot of them have wound up <laughs> in sunny, sunny climates because. Folks with uh, money and retirement and so forth have gone there, and they've been buying them. But it does seem like a stretch. I mean, do you think it's simply – it's hard to believe that they would spend this much money just to bring even more notoriety to that brand, right? Like, this – like, you have to believe they actually believe in this That's car, That's what I'm wondering, right? if they, like, They're legitimately believe. to develop a car. Yeah. Well, I mean, Range Rovers have become the look-at-me car even more so in the last couple of years, and – what better way to look at you more than with a drop top? So I'm sure there's going to be a waiting list. I don't think anybody thought the Evoke would take off in this country journalistically because it was too low to the ground, didn't have that much room inside. It had style, and that Terrible seemed to be what it needed. Pardon? Terrible headroom in the rear. I mean, all of the above. And it's become a huge moneymaker, so why not do something to follow up? I don't think it's a trend, though. Do you? Uh, oh, no, you say no, that, really? Well, you never know. Maybe Cayenne will come out with a convertible. You never. I mean, could well, be. We were talking trend. about well, it with the subcompact SUVs. I mean, I, maybe one person take it. This is like the Nissan Juke of its. It makes more sense to me in these Highline models than it does in the in Nissan. So yeah, right. How many would they have to sell for you to consider it a success? One. <laughs> well, then, I, then I, the uh, Murano Cross Cabriolet was You know, success. they'll probably, if they sell three or four or 5,000, that's going to be a huge success, probably. And they will. Rental car companies will buy them up if nobody else does. Yeah, but that's not, that's not the image <laughs> yeah, they're looking for. Um, thank you. Be <laughs> Save, expensive saved rental. by the bill. <laughs> okay, well, we'll see how, we'll check back and let you know how the Evoke Convertible does. He got a lot of. It's getting a lot hey, of attention. We're talking, we're talking, look at the internet, boy. It's it. all over the it's place. It's like the whole Starbucks coffee yeah. cup oh. thing. Oh, ridiculous. All right. A viewer question. Blake asks, what exactly happens when you engage different driving modes? We're always talking about in our road tests, sport, eco, et cetera. Uh, it's bothering him. It's probably bothering a lot of people. So 
What do we mean when we talk about a vehicle having driving <clears throat> modes, and what does it actually do to change how the car drives? Uh, a lot of it just has to do with the, the throttle. I mean, the throttle response, right? It's just if you go into an eco mode, um, it takes a lot more pressure on the pedal to actually get more performance out of the car. So it's really taking the driver element out of it to get that extra uh, to get that extra yeah. efficiency. Where Sport mode, same thing. It changes your shift points and your yeah. throttle. And each car right? is a little bit different. Some you can actually change the suspension settings or and uh, like like you said uh, shift points and everything like that and other ones it's just like some change the steering uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. some change exhaust even tone. exhaust mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. suspension settings like you said so but we're saying it's a lot more it's soft great. it's not really uh, a lot of them aren't mechanical no well you don't really have a mechanical yeah. throttle in the car yeah. anyway yeah, true so it's it started off as a throttle thing and maybe shift points but now it's up there to where it's affecting almost all of the systems and several of the recent vehicles that we've tested, the, the Camaro was really, uh, I think there's like 11 or 12 things, depending on which mode that gets adjusted when you uh, automatically go from sport to. Yep, yep, to yep. And normal. you really felt it. Uh, yeah. I didn't drive it. Maybe. Yeah, I felt it between, uh, I didn't really mess with the snow or ice mode, but yeah, between sport and uh, touring, you feel everything tighten up a little. I mean, steering tighten up, throttle. Uh, responses definitely up and then the sound they pump a little bit more sound in there and that's i think slowly but surely more and more companies are starting to do that where it actually affects the sound of the car yeah, even uh, a lot of them uh, interior lighting will change gauges mm-hmm. will change i mean it just depends it's on multiple the car. personality yeah, yeah, yeah. and then there's i mean you got some like uh, the m cars where you can actually instead of just going like normal sport or uh, you know super or sport plus you can individually change settings like mm-hmm. if you just want a rough Stiff suspension and easy steering, you can do that. Yeah, Audi does it with like their dynamic yep. or individual setting. If you mm-hmm. want to beat yourself up, yeah, really, but it's I hadn't really thought of it until we were talking about it now. It's giving vehicles not just split but multiple personalities. So it's sort of like whatever you feel today, how do you want to be? Yeah, and some of it works, some, some of it doesn't. Some A lot of it comes off as pretty gimmicky, but... Like Cheesy. Hyundai steering controls. I was, you know, was going to say that I, I actually kind of like the Hyundai and Kia when they do that because Dude, there's a noticeable so feel. Heavy, there's like, a noticeable yeah, feel between their comfort. Yeah, but it's like so fake and, and like unnecessarily yeah, fake, but heavy. It, it does what exactly what you expect it to do. <laughs> so right, anyway, right. Blake, I it hope can do that, whatever you want it to be. Yeah, man. <laughs> there, you there you have it, Blake. It makes the car so you can be it can be anything you want it to be at any given moment. I hope that kind of clarifies it. But this is evolving. Um, you know, we're, we're not at the end of what drive modes can do yet. Remember when they used to just be a launch mode? That was the big deal. I miss those days. Yeah, me too. Okay, rant and rave. And by the way, anyone got something on their mind? Oh, Patrick's arm is up. I got one. Rant and rave today. (laughs) Take it away, Patrick. I'm going to rave about uh, convenience features in vehicles. Uh, We had the new Explorer in recently. Platinum. The the Platinum Edition. So granted, it was the top of the line. Uh, most expensive, but it had massaging seats, which mm. the S class has, right? In yep. their, uh, their, it's been around for a while. Whatever, but I really but liked we haven't it. seen it in an FORD car, right? And I really liked it. I had I was doing drive-bys with Ben that day, so I was in the Explorer all day, and I guess I was in a weird seating position or something. But my back hurt. I took it. I took it home that night too, and my back hurt. I thought I'll just throw on this massaging seat function and see if it does anything, and it really worked. It really helped. It like loosened my Is that back. A Ford up. shirt you're wearing, or what? Well, maybe if they didn't <laughs> just make the seats so bad that they gave you back. Well, that, is true. that is true. Uh, they are very comfortable. Don't have to rain they on my <laughs> 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 But I'm, all, right, all I'm saying is, 
Certain convenience features actually are convenient. The massaging seat function did its job, and it <laughs> worked really well. Even, I liked it. Even minor ones like auto-dimming rearview mirrors that we've seen oh, and forgotten yeah, about. That's, Isn't that's, that just wonderful? What, I was trying to use this as a jumping-off point. Heated but, steering but, wheel. Let, let me ask you something. Sticking with seats, and you mentioned heating steering wheel. Does, does anyone really get cooled seats? I have used it in the summertime. And, and do actually, you like them? Yeah, I like, I like it a lot. If they're like and if they're not super loud, sometimes they're really yeah. loud. It I feels like, good. Yeah, I like to cycle between hot and cold. <laughs> no wasteful. You do really, really hot. Hot. Yeah, really, really cold. Just like in real life. Oh, Just my like goodness. Well, that was, that's pretty interesting. No, but, yeah, the convenience Some of features. them actually like have a draft, like you feel like you're sitting in a mm, wind tunnel. I like that. I know if Greg's brought this up before, but keyless entry. Uh-huh. I hate it when I've got a take my keys oh, out yeah. of our uh, the we, we've it's all gotten so lazy and the key on the renegade is so big it's unforgivable not to have it right these tiny little features that you don't even think twice about until they're not there so question for you uh the new ford uh escape has got a feature where and it's not totally new to ford even but you're going to be the whole vehicle will basically be integrated into your smartphone uh so when you walk, you not only can find it in a parking lot and check the fuel <laughs> and unlock it, get that and start it, it and do all That's that good. stuff. Is that appealing to you to be able to take your smartphone out and say, okay, where's my vehicle or how much fuel's in it? Or I can start it without, you know, automatic remote start without actually having the, the, the key fob. I like remote start. Yeah. Absolutely, that's appealing. I but guess you, if you're into just impressing your neighbors and then never using it again. It's not even This is a digital device era. Yeah. What if you like are Black Friday shopping, there's masses of people at the mall, you can't find your car, you can just whip out your cell phone. And you just um, take yeah. out your cell phone. And I'm totally on board for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah that I think that's going to spread like wildfire. Uh, freezing I'm, I'm freezing I'm cold. You've seen that commercial or whatever it is. Uh, it was like old, but it was like a Buick thing. Like The guy's like... That's flying into the airport and then he starts his car oh, yeah. on his phone, which is, by the way, you probably couldn't do because you can't have your phone yeah. in transmit mode <laughs> while you're still flying. And also, just wasting fuel. I mean, it's yeah, going to yeah. take, depending on which airport yeah, exactly. it's, it's going to take like, at least hour. an hour. If you're oh, yeah, using their least. Wi-Fi, you could. Well, if it could autonomously drive and pick you up on oh, the tarmac, Perfect, that would yeah. be I won't even own a car. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. The future, okay. man. Yeah. The future is here, <laughs> like it or not. Bye for it, Marty. Okay, I'd like to thank all of our panelists for around our table today. Uh, Brian Robinson, Ben Davis, Greg Carlos, Patrick Lucas, Lauren, welcome to the team. Thank you, thank you. And also our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, who always makes sure that he edits out my mistakes. Our podcast creator, Bob Mixter, and of course the producer, the man with the bell. Patrick Lucas. Thank you, sir. Thank you all for joining us for our Motor Week podcast. Be sure to watch Motor Week on public television stations around the country and also on the Velocity channel. For all of us at Motor Week, thanks for watching, listening, and just being a part of Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.